From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 390. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace and Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, is it is it really Mike Hurley? You had a pause there, like you weren't sure if this was Mike Hurley or not, but I it sounds like you. Is this you? I was going for the dramatic drama, you know. No, really, I just got distracted by an iMessage. So <laughs> <laughs> such is life yeah. of uh world famous podcasters so uh mm-hmm. i'm glad you're taking some time to spend with me talking pins today we uh we we've played uh musical schedules here recently so i appreciate uh this this recording our last recording of 2019 mike i know yeah yeah so we're gonna do we have a, a couple of notes but the, the thing i wanted to do in this very last episode is clear out the backlog of ask TPA because okay. we have a lot of them. And I feel guilty when I don't get to the questions in a timely fashion, especially if I think they're good podcast ask TPA and I don't reply. I'll say, hold that thought. I'll answer it on the show. And then people are stuck waiting for an answer. Like, is that fair? I don't feel that's fair sometimes. Well, well then hopefully we can get to those today then. And then you, then it will be fair and right in the world. We are zeroing out the Ask TPA doc today. So this is all the open questions. So if I missed your question, it's it's gone and you should ask me again. If it's not covered today, I don't have it and you're not getting an answer. So ask me again. So but, start uh, again. Start over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what time should they ask? The time is now, but if they want it to be cool, well, okay. So I was on Instagram a couple of days ago and I saw uh, from Aaron Draplin a watch that he's mm-hmm. collaborated with Timex to make a watch. And I was like, oh, wow, that looks amazing. When does it go on sale? And then obviously because of the uh, timeline, you know, the way things work, mm-hmm. right? You got like, you see things and you might see them out of order. These watches, they they went up for sale and were gone <laughs> like in, in like minutes. Uh, <laughs> yep. And maybe hope, well, it looks like there's going to be more at some point, but it's going to be pre-orders and it's going to be a while. So hopefully I can get one because it's like priced really well too. Like wasn't expensive at all. Um, it, and it is absolutely stunning. Uh, I think it is just a beautiful, beautiful uh, watch. It's all black and orange and white with like big chunky letters. There's 250 of the first edition of them. It is a, it's a real stunner and uh, I really desperately want one. Yeah, it's great looking, and I'm very similar to you in that the first time I was made aware of this project was when I saw a tweet from Aaron Draplin saying, boy, that went fast, they're all sold out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what are you even talking about? And it's this Timex collaboration. Like, I, You've seen my Timex Todd Snyder watch, the red and black bullseye. Um, I think, um, if not, I can, I can share it with you. Like, I like this style of watch. Um, I would not have bought this one. I don't like the black faces in general. Um, but if there is a white face version later down the line, I might have to jump on it. it uh, because I like this style of watch. Like it's a very casual watch, but it's got a cool theme and feel to it. And, uh, it's, it's just neat. I, I like it. And I know, uh, I know, um, I know they sold out like, quickly like in the span of minutes if not more than uh, no more 1080 than seconds as per the the blog post wow they were 85 dollars. Yeah. oh wow yeah i didn't even realize that because yeah. i like paid twice that for mine which i still f- was happy with like mm-hmm. i paid i want to say 140 160 mm-hmm. for the custom timex i got for that price yeah i would i might have just bought one for that price right yeah 
I mean, I, 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 w- I really hope that I can get one in the second edition, which will be in a few months' time or whatever. But cool. I really loved it. Yeah, it's kind of a just a perfect, uh, good-looking knockabout watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of knockabout, Mike, the Lamy AL Star does not uh, really like it when you knock it about. It's an aluminum barrel. Did you know that? I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's why the Safari is the the best Lamy, but we don't know what safari special edition is in store for us next year but we do know what all-star special edition um is out there for us in 2020 and i feel like i've seen this before maybe somewhere in the past what do you think about tourmaline the lamy all-star special edition for 2020 so i'm confused (laughs) because what is tourmaline it's a almost turquoisey looking color. It, I don't it? know what tourmaline is. Well, I know what turpentine is. I know of tourmaline. T O U R. Right. Right. This is <clears throat> yes. We've had conversations about this on the on the twitters. That what is happening with this spelling, and we've had some Germans check in saying yes, that is the correct German spelling of tourmaline. Okay. So that mm. did um, that did come up. So yeah, you are not alone in that thought process. Because I had assumed it might have been a spelling thing, but mm-hmm. in googling, I could not find it. But really, yeah. Uh, ah, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I've now found some German pages that that seem to reference it. Google did mm-hmm. that thing to me where it shows me tourmaline. Yeah. Right and like what it, it knows better than me. you do. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I couldn't find it. But okay, yeah. I mean, sure. It's like just a. It's a. It's a turquoise blue. Like yeah, it's, it's great like, looking, right? It's but not exciting, no, no, no. It's great looking on its own, but it's this is like the safari run we had where everything was some shade of bright green. Right. Mm-hmm. There was like three years in a row. It was like, okay, yellow green, okay, apple green, okay, like fluorescent green. And it's like, y'all can stop. Like just pick 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 something else. Pick orange or purple or do something. And they eventually did, but this seems to be too close. Maybe there's some reason for doing this, you know. I, I, I don't know what it would be, but what was turquoise two, three years ago at the most? It's very, very recent. Yeah. So uh yeah, I just like okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's all I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. It's going to do well. Um I'll be interested to see what ink comes out of this and if it exists already in the product lineup. Like I don't know if the Lamy Crystal inks, the newest batch of inks has a color like like this because Lamy is known for multiple on multiple occasions matching their special edition ink um to the pen with an existing color of ink and just renaming it and all all of us going, isn't that the stock turquoise that you sell that you're now calling Pacific blue or whatever it was. So I I look forward to the ink because that will be pretty, but yeah, tourmaline is tourmaline. It's, uh, it's going to do well. And I'm anxious now. They usually come out at the same time, right? The, the announcements for the annual, all-star and safari colors and we hadn't seen the safari yet they usually tend to drop in a very very close time frame and nothing yet so we'll keep Do our you eyes have any hopes to... 
No. I mean, orange. Always. And, and not because I like orange, but it's because they haven't done any... One of the rarest safaris that they've ever done was an orange with a red clip. Hmm. And they've never done orange since. Um, They've done different shades of pinks. They've done purples. They've done the, like the dark blues, like the petrols and the dark lilacs. They did the um, copper orange, which I don't think really counts in in my opinion. That was the uh, all-star color, with mm-hmm. the copper orange. Plus it's all-star, and who likes those? Right. So just give me uh, just give me an ABS plastic bright blaze orange. Oh, yeah. I would like that a lot, actually. With a, mm-hmm. with a matching ink? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, we should get to those last TPA. But first, let me take our first break and thank Squarespace for the support of this show. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea, project, or event with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more available to you as a Squarespace customer. Uh, I I think that you'll be very, very happy indeed. They are the all-in-one platform that will let you put anything that you want online. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade. You don't have to worry about any of that. They've got you covered because... They are the best place for you to put your project online. And I stand by that. Like I've been using Squarespace for such a long time now. And when it comes to setting something up new and I have a new project, a new website that I want to make, I just go start a new Squarespace site because all I want to do is get my content online. All I want to do is get my stuff out there. I don't want to have to spend a ton of time jumping through hoops trying to get something set up because it is so easy with Squarespace. You choose one of their templates, you customize it the way that you want, and then you are ready to go. They have 24-7 customer support if you need any help. No matter what type of website you want to make, they have the tools available to you. Go to squarespace.com slash penaddict where you can sign up right now and you'll get a free trial. There's no credit card required. You can just sign up and try it out. Then you can sign up for one of their plans when you want to launch your website to the world. They start at $12 a month, but you can get 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain by using the offer code penaddict at squarespace.com slash penaddict. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict for 10% of your first purchase. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. You ready for this? This is a lot. Like our normal show docs about a page and a half, including mm-hmm. STPA. We're at eight pages <laughs> on this one. Do you want to uh, do the alternating readings of the questions and we'll just kind of see how it goes? I think it's probably best that I do most of the question reading anyway, because you do I most of the a- question a- answering. I am A-OK with that. Great. So let's, uh, let's hit it up. All right, first question comes from Ree Thornton. Paper suggestions for letter writing? Good paper that fits in stationary envelopes? Fountain pen friendly note card sets? I like these mm-hmm. quest questions. It's not really questions, it's just like, please make me suggestions. That's what yeah, we want. Yeah, it's like, what do, you, what do you got for me? It's mm-hmm. like, what do you got for me? So what I have for you is when I do write letters, which is never, um, I would use the pilot letter pad, which is my... I think it's just an awesome notepad anyway, but it's designed for letter writing. It's an A5 pad. It's only 30 sheets. It's not exactly, you know, the most cost-effective thing, but it's a beautiful paper. It's got these neat, huge lines that, uh, this huge line ruling space. I don't know what the width is between those lines, but it's very large. So you can make some really, really good looking letters. They have a matching envelope, which is kind of what you want for a set, um, 
and it's good quality. It works well with fountain pens. There's a lot of choices for this, and a lot of people do lots of different things. But if I was ever to write anyone a letter, I would choose the Pilot letter pad and the matching envelopes, both of which I have at the house. I've just never used them for actual letter writing. I use the letter pad for just general writing reviews, things like that. The note card sets is actually harder. And we've had uh, Anna Reinert from the Well-Appointed Desk on our podcast to do our gift guide episode. And she answered this question because she would know better than us. And her recommendation, even though it was self-serving, it was completely accurate in that the Skylab letterpress note cards that they sell, her and her husband Bob sell on Etsy, she has to make them fountain pen friendly or she would get grief and they're really cool designs and they're extra high quality. So I would look at those. I don't know like if there's any like postcard type sets that would be fountain pen, fountain pen friendly or anything like that. But if you're looking for more of a, like a letter pressed card that you can send as a letter to someone, I would hit up Skylab letterpress. That's actually a good point because it is that idea of like we've had it you've had it like any paper product that we make has to be fountain pen friendly i mean i would want it to be for my own usage but people would expect it from us right yeah there's a baseline expectation that if you don't hit in a thing that you make that you've preached all these things about and you don't live up to that um you're gonna get email Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> Next question comes from Tim D. Fowler. The Zebra F701 seems to be fairly popular in everyday carry circles. Do you have any th- thoughts on this? Is the refill actually really good, or will it take something a bit more better uh, than what it's stuck? Well, my word. Will it take a more better refill than what it is stuck <laughs> with it? I should have read that one beforehand. Yeah, it was purposefully uh, confusingly written. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like I let's uh meta the ask TPA real quick. These first two questions are ones we get all the time. There's a reason we get all these all the time, is because people are always looking for answers that we you know, all of these stationary problems that we have, we try to solve. And sometimes people don't discover things at the same time. So I appreciate getting the questions that even if we've covered them ten times already, I'm happy to answer another Zebra F seven oh one question. Uh, for someone who's just discovering that pen. So it is hugely popular in EDC circles. I love the pen and the design and the price point. It's like seven bucks for a completely stainless steel, knurled grip, knock ballpoint pen. The refill is average. It's perfectly passable and acceptable. The problem comes in this last question. Will it take a more better refill than what it is stocked with? It will not without major hacking. There are complete blog posts and forum posts of people trying to modify other refills to fit into this, and it it takes a lot of work. There's no quick, easy swap for the F701 refill, unfortunately, and that's what's held it back. As popular as it is, it would be even more popular if it just if people could just slap a Pilot G2 refill in, like that's what they want, or a Fisher Space Pen refill. But it doesn't. It's proprietary. And you can get other things in there. You can Google, you know, how to hack a refill for an F701. It It's going to involve, like, cutting and gluing and taping. And there's just, like, a lot of work to go into your $7 F701. So whenever I use them, I would stick with the stock refill. But it's a great pen. 
what makes it like good enough to go to those lengths though right like to do something where you're cutting up refills like um, the price and availability of this pin is high it's easy to access and it's really good quality people who want mm. to edc a pin want that all metal barrel which this one has which you can't normally get when you're going to the grocery store right you can pop this one right you know from just a store shelf somewhere and have a really exceptional barrel with a good refill. Like, fortunately, the refill is good, right? It's not great, but it's not bad. So that's why this this pen does so well. And it's all metal, right? Yep. The only the only um, piece that's plastic is they have this little ring around the knock. For some reason, that that bit's plastic, and people have never understood that decision. But it it doesn't affect the pen in any way. But it's perfect for the. If the zombie apocalypse comes. It is. It is. Plus it only costs. It, it's the price point, right? Mm-hmm. It's what you get for the price. It's a great It's a great pen. Michael Canavino asks, any writing tips for a fellow lefty, like me, like Mike, seem to have trouble with scratching and skipping with all fine nibs, happens with field notes and tomoe paper. So point one that I would make is fine nibs might be your, your starting problem. Um, I would maybe start looking at some mediums, like some Japanese mediums, because there'll be somewhere in the middle of a, like a German fine and German medium. So I'd give that a go first and see if that is something that is more comfortable for you. Uh, other than that, I don't really have a lot of problems anymore, especially with like scratching and skipping. There is the occasional pen that won't work for me, right? Like we're talking about like the flex nib pens. They don't do it for me, but that's quite like, that's quite, that's quite uh, particular um mm-hmm. i have some fine nib pens and i'm fine with them maybe i've adapted my writing style a little bit but i would maybe try bumping up to a medium first and see how that feels um and then hopefully that will help you understand a little bit more yeah and so even though the field notes paper and the tomoe river paper are vastly different in how they behave with ink they're both the tomoe paper is so thin that i would probably try something thicker like a rhodia pad and the field notes is a little bit toothy the tomoe is a little bit thin i would maybe try just a little bit thicker smooth page like rhodia and see how that how that treats your handwriting Mm -hmm. yeah i think so all right so next up we have a question that comes in from lola and i uh, if you ever had a bottle of Monteverde ink go moldy, I have a bottle of California Teal that I've been using in my Twisby Go. The last time I opened it, opened the bottle to fill another pen, there was a mat of mold on top of the ink. You should have tossed the rest of it. I mean, I've never had it happen, but it does happen. I don't know why. You know, I don't know if it's a uh, an ink consistency issue. I don't know if it's an environmental issue. But if I ever see this. I'm fully pitching it. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't want it near my pens at that point. It's not worth saving your eight bottle, eight dollar bottle of ink to wonder what is going on with this ink. You pitch it and you move on. I don't know of any ink brand that has a recurring problem with something like mold. You know, people will it'll just pop up from time to time. So like, it wouldn't turn me off Monteverde particularly until I saw it again, um, and then I'd maybe question it. But, um, you know, it's something... You just got to just watch it, pay attention. If you see it, you just chalk it up to a loss. And it shouldn't be happening frequently. If you Mm -hmm. run into this repeatedly, 
then we start need to we need to start asking more questions, you know, either of the manufacturer or of the environment that they're stored in. Yeah, I agree. Next question comes from R. Windlow. Uh, will the Diamine Inkvent inks, so the Inkvent calendar inks, be available to purchase separately? Uh, they missed the boat on those and they sold out quickly. So first off, shout out to Susan, who is doing an enormously awesome job. Mm-hmm. I'm loving her Diamine Inkvent posts on the pen attic. So I have to apologize to R. Windlow for teasing all of these inks so beautifully as Susan has done because on the back of the box, it kind of alludes to the fact that these were just made for the ink vent, but I don't think it reads as a complete exclusive. We'll never do this again. I wouldn't put it past Diamine to release some of these inks. I would not plan on it ever happening the way that they created this set specifically for this set and worded the marketing around it that these were just specific inks made for this set and this set only. So I would not anticipate that they come out for sale. So it kind of stinks. I'm interested to see what they do next year because as many inks as Diamine puts out, that's a lot of new ink colors to come up with every Mm -hmm. year. So we'll see what happens next year. If they do do it next year, I imagine they will have a lot more availability because this went so well this year. And um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I would not hold out hope that these will be available. I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there are a couple that like really received a lot yeah. of praise. They might want to bring one or two of them out. But a lot Agreed. of them have very winter-sounding names, so it wouldn't really be a great idea for them to do it now. Yeah, yeah, it depends. Like, you don't really need, like, uh, what, gingerbread or Jack Frost, like, year-round, uh-huh. right? Probably not. But Probably they, not. But there's some just really great inks, like Midnight Hour, you know, even though that's, you know, kind of holiday specific, like there's no reason, you know, and it, it's a it's a more common color, you know, kind of a bluish purpley type of color with sparkles that I think would do well. Like a lot of these inks would do well as standalone products, but we'll have to see if they've kind of uh, pigeonholed themselves with this release. Astro Phoenix asks, I want a fountain pen that I can shove in my pocket and therefore always have with me, but won't leak and preferably not a cartridge converter. Do you have any suggestions? I currently have a Pelican M600 and a Lamy 2000, but those stay in a pen case in my laptop bag. So my first thought for this was the Pelican M205, because that's how I use that pen. And hmm. you already use the M600, so you clearly, you know, you must like Pelicans okay if you you have the M600. The M205, it's a little bit pricey, uh, depending on where you shop, you can it's you'll see them from eighty dollars to like one hundred and twenty dollars for the same pen, depending on where you shop. But I find it to be immensely everyday carryable in pockets, in cars. Like I mean, keep it with you. I wouldn't want it to live in my car, but like just going out and about, the two hundred five works wonders for this type of carry. It's small enough; it can. You know, it's sturdy enough. It can handle, you know, whatever situation you throw at it. It could handle being dropped, you know, and you wouldn't panic over it like you might your M600, something -hmm. like that. The only other choice are the Twisbees, the Go and the Eco, but they're 
so much bigger than something like the 205. I would prefer the 205, but those are kind of your other options if you wanted something different. Like the Go, you can shove in your pocket pretty easy, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to the Eco, it's just bigger and bulkier. As much as I like those pins, I really think the answer is the M205, though. I think it's just a exceptional pen and it's kind of made for this type of carry even though it's a little bit expensive for you know a beater pen kind of <laughs> megan asks what in your opinion is the best bottled ink to start out with i'm planning to buy a twisby eco but i'm, I'm uncertain what to fill it with could you recommend one black ink and one shimmer ink please and thank you love the show I love how many questions we get about black ink. Like we haven't had one on the podcast in a while, but we were talking about it on Twitch the other day. Just everyone really, really wants to know about black ink. Like I should have a black ink palooza on the blog someday and just get all the black inks and try to figure out which is the best. My favorite is Pilot Black. That's the one I would recommend uh, for your Twisby Eco. It's a great color. It's, you know, it's dark enough. You don't want, I don't like blacks that lean gray or too light. And that's a good dark one. And it's relatively inexpensive and it just behaves well on all kinds of papers. It's just a really, really good ink. And for the shimmer ink, I'd look at the diamine shimmer inks. Um, I don't know that I have a particular one. You're just, they have so many options. But they, all the ones that I've used always behave very well, and the colors look great. Um, between them and Robert Oster, those are kind of my two favorite shimmer ink brands, and I wouldn't pin down one specific one. You know, I like the, I like the blues with the silver shimmers, but, you know, you might like purples with gold shimmers, and both Diamine and Robert Oster do a great job with those. Uh, Bad Genius asks, is there any planner you can recommend to do time blocking what is time blocking? Uh, just keep reading it; it'll, it'll okay. You'll understand. That has a proper amount of space to write in. Uh, I love the Kukoyo Jibun Techo, but the space to write in is kind of small. Extra points if you can log fifteen minute spaces. That's how I plan out my schedule. Any size. So, like the the Jibun Techo will take your hour and break it down into a fifteen minute block per like a single three or four millimeter grid line. Okay. Yep. And that's on uh on on a half page of an A on a well, I guess one side of an A five or A five slim notebook. <clears throat> it's not a lot of space for that individual fifteen minute block. And I don't know that you're gonna find anything with huge fifteen minute blocks for like an entire day. Um, but there's got to be something out there. That's why I wanted to make sure to ask this question because there's probably something out there that I'm missing that will have your blocks, you know, like one side of the page for a day broken out into 15 minute blocks. You might have to roll your own with like a bullet journal type system. Um, you know, I put in the notes, the Chronodex, which is a time slice. Uh, I know this tracker. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if that's exactly what Bad Genius is looking for. It's at least something to consider, even though there's not all, it's not, you can't really get a pre printed one. I don't know if Patrick ever did the one with Midori. I think he was going to do a Midori branded one, but I'm not totally spun up on that. But you can print your own, or you can get a Chronodex stamp and use it on a blank notebook. And um, it's basically slicing as opposed to just a, you know, vertical page lines of 15 minute blocks. So, you know, those are the kind of things I'd look at, but I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there has to be a single page 
layout or like a two-day spread on the left page and the right page with just that full day being broken out into a more sizable time slots in 15-minute breaks. I feel like there's something out there. So y'all let me know um, if you have seen anything like this out there, and I'll let Bad Genius know. This is from Jay. I'm buying my first high-tech C Kalito, and now I am absolutely befuddled by the varieties <laughs> of body. I have what JetPens calls the 1000, but I honestly have no idea what makes it any different from the 500 or the N3 that you've been repping for so long. Pilot's kind of screwed the pooch on this one. This is I the uh, the high-tech C multi-pen. Yeah. The background. It's my favorite multi-pen. And I've used it since I started the blog, if not before the blog. It's one of the first pens I've ever reviewed. It's fantastic. I love it. I've tried so many of their different barrels. I will tell Jay this. The more you spend on a high-tech C barrel, the greater your disappointment level will be. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is the 500. And it's like a $6 barrel. The th- 1000 is like a $12 or $13 barrel. There's not that much difference at all. And I think the 500 is better. It has a, uh, I like the grip better on the 500. But the basic, I don't even know what the entry level one's called. The three cartridge basic clear body one is like three bucks. I'd either use that or the 500 because the more expensive ones are still just plastic barrels. I keep, they make them appear like they're metal, right? They have that metallic finish or they'll do them in, you know, like these copper, coppery colors or just like silver colors. Looks like it could be, oh, cool, aluminum barrel for the Kalito. That would be awesome. It's not. It's just fancy plastic barrels. So my tip for the Kalito is get by the lowest price barrel that you think is good looking. It's all about the refills. They all function the same. Yeah. What you really want is the refills. On that note, I prefer the three barrel over the four and five. Um, it gets a little bit too wide when you get mm. into the fours and fives. There, One of the models has a very thin four slot barrel. It might be the 500. Um, that's actually a reasonable diameter on the barrel. But some of the fours and fives get to be a really wide barrel. And I find when you're using such a fine tip gel pen, like a 0.3 Kalito refill, that wider barrel doesn't work as well for that and when you're writing with a, a a fine nib, a fine tip pen. So that's my my thoughts on the Kalito. Uniball style fit does the same thing, and it's just kind of annoying. Alexander asks, if you're not finished of a notebook at the end of the year or month, do you force the jump to a new one or run the current one down? What's the cutoff for that decision? You force the new one, or you wouldn't be doing this in the first place. Right? <laughs> I it's, completely it's, agree with you. It's based on the definition that you set at the beginning of the month that this is December's notebook. Mm-hmm. Whether you fill one page or 48 pages, it's December's notebook. Otherwise, if it's you, just your notebook. Yep. Right? So this decision's made by the rules you set up at the start. Don't break them. Don't break them. Stand at the system, what do you have? This comes from Adam. My wife is looking for a comfortable gel pen to take notes with. Other pens have too hard of a grip. This is her current solution. Uh, what was the current solution? <laughs> it was like a foam insert that they cut out of a box and okay. then like jammed the pen through it. It was pretty awesome. But you can picture just like a, a piece of blue foam like packing material. 
<laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so in a terrible way. <laughs> uh, you have any recommendations for a super soft grip gel pen? Yeah, Alpha Gels grips are the best. Uniball makes those. They make them for a bunch of their pen models. I use the Alpha Jetstream. To this day, I still use that pen. It's a great pen. It's got the squishiest grip. It's very comfortable. And bonus, it's a Jetstream refill. They also have standard Uniball Alpha Gel Grip ballpoint pens with standard ballpoint refills. I don't know why you'd choose that other than looks over the Jetstream one. The Jetstream is a little bit of a funkier design than a more traditional design of the, the regular ballpoints. And then they also do, th- do this pen for the Kurutoga and things like that. So um, anything alpha grip i would not suggest the doctor grip which is pilot's attempt at wider squishier grips they are much firmer than the alpha grip the alpha grip has way more give to it by a long shot i hate this question from greg (laughs) (laughs) i made sure to put this one in not because you hate it because i think it's a good question it is but but i hate i don't hate uh, you'll see how for how much force should it take to bend a steel nib (laughs) It's like, why do we have this question? I bent a tine by accident, and it took much more force than I expected to realign it. It was a number six (laughs) Bok nib, if that's relevant. Um, Greg. I I love this question. Greg, Greg, I'm afraid you you need to replace the nib, Greg, I think, at this point. Yeah, Uh, like, I'm not like Adam Savage over here, like, running tests on you know, how much pressure I need to exert on a nib to test them out. I will say from anecdotal experiences that Bach nibs are easier to spring than Yovo nibs. Um, I feel that they're a little bit thinner and a little bit softer. I don't know if that, that doesn't help Greg at all, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't be able to manipulate this without tools. Yeah. And if, if, I mean, if you're doing it, down it to that. yourself and you're just like making it happen, it's probably not a great idea to keep using it for too long, you should probably start looking at trying to get a replacement. At least it's a steel nib, so easy. Yeah, to it shouldn't cost you much. Mm-hmm. You can just get you can if you look, you can probably get just the nib without the feed and the the collar and all the other parts for less than ten dollars, and just replace it. And this is the last Twitter question, and we have some email questions. This comes from mm-hmm. MRJ seventy one. How can I get an extra fine Pelican nib to write like a fine? <laughs> Or extra fine. That's correct. That's correct. Read it again. This is a this is the correct wording. This is why I love this question so much. Read that exact question exactly as it's written. All right. How can I get an EF Pelican nib to write like an F or EF? Currently, it writes almost as abroad. <laughs> Do you understand? I didn't finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pelican nibs are notoriously wide. I cannot and will not use The problem anything. was not finishing that question because if yeah. you stop where I stopped, which is where I got confused, <laughs> uh, you end up in a bit of a situation. Yeah, Pelican nibs are serious stuff. They are the widest, like bar none, stock nibs out there. Steel, gold, whatever. And how can you get it to write like that? Well, you can't unless you get someone to modify it after the fact. Right. That's why I like when I was talking about the M205 before I have a steel EF nib in it and that's the best Pelican nib I own that hasn't been touched. Um, it's better than the gold nibs for as far as line thickness and width. So the extra fine 
I have in the 400, that's a gold nib, I got modified into like a needle point because I just know it's just not going to write as fine as I want to. Pelican nibs are notoriously wide. If you want something smaller than an extra fine, you're going to have to get it modified in the secondary market. That It's as simple as that, even though that's probably not the answer you want. Yeah, uh, I feel this is like a good kind of just like general rule of thumb. You can't make a fountain pen write differently unless you make a physical change to the nib. Like, right? You it, you can't change it. You can't be like, oh, this this life hack or anything you would do yeah. yourself. You're just gonna ruin it, right? Like, because you can get that like um that paper. I can't remember what it's called. It's like a very fine grit sandpaper. Yeah. Sure, uh, and you could do. I mean, but you shouldn't do that, right? Like you just yeah. shouldn't get it. Get I it, mean, get it, get it taken care of by a, by a nib grinder. We could find you the driest ink on the least absorbent paper to make the thinnest line possible, but then you're may not in going to enjoy it as much. It's not right? fun anymore. Yeah, get it, get it, get it, get it amended. Find a good nib grinder and get it taken care of. So many, so many Pelican users will just send the nibs off to to get worked and the to get worked on because the pelican nib units are so easy to swap in between pelicans that um you know people have just like a stock of two or three pelican nibs that they use and swap between pens and you know for different situations and that's just what you're gonna have to do if you want it finer all right today's episode is brought to you in part by pen chalet pen chalet sell authentic amazing rollerballs fountain pens ballpoints mechanical pencils and so much more they have wonderful accessories as well, like carrying cases and refills and ink and fountain pen converters and uh, pen holders even. Everything that you're looking for can be found at Pen Chalet. They have all of your favorite brands, and they do. They really do believe to give you the a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This is with very fast and reliable customer service and great shipping rates too. You get free shipping on orders of over $50 in the US, and they also sell internationally with really great shipping rates as well. They're always adding new styles of pens every single month and running special discounts and closeout specials every two weeks. Um, go to Pen Chalet. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, penchalet.com. Click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PENADDICT. This is where you will get the code that you need to save 10% on anything at Penchalet at any time, exclusive for PENADDICT listeners, and also to get your hands on our special offers this week. What have we got? So Brad? we have Lamy Safari. The shiny black model, was that a specific model? I know it wasn't a limited model, but is that different from their stock black because the shiny black is on sale and that's a great looking pen especially for a gift um it's funny the next thing is the acme studios crayon rollerball pens which i've actually bought as a gift for people in the past because it looks like a crayon but it's like a full-size rollerball pen and the steel of the century is the Kaveco al sport that's at a price that is abnormal and if you're in the market for that type of pen you should go look at this deal at penchalet.com wow I'm looking at it now. This usually means if it's a price like that, we'll be surprised by it. It usually means we can't say what it is. I, um, I'm not just because I don't know, but it doesn't seem <laughs> like I should. <laughs> yeah. What is the Benu tattoo pen? It is a pen, Mike. What is that? Well, that's also available. Too. That's their that's their newest pen, and to be honest, it is my choice out of the Bennu pens out of all the things they make this is the most normal pen i think 
this is the one I would use if I ever was into like the Bennu style of pens. They make some really outrageously designed pens and I've never really been a fan, but this Whoa. is a completely different shape. This is a new shape for them. This one actually uh, makes me think I could use a Bennu pen, even though I'm not interested in this pen. This one is, this one is considered normal <laughs> compared to their, to their usual fare, I believe, in my opinion. These are wild. They are wild. Not my thing, not because of the colors, but I, the uh, the grip section is very thin in relation to the barrel. It just doesn't work for me. That wild. All right. But I haven't tried the tattoo. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. Use the password PenAddict when you click that link at the top of the website and you get your hands on these deals. Our thanks to Penchalet for their support all year of this show and Relay FM. All right, you got your reading voice on? You bet I have. This right. question comes from Sasha. I love to listen to your advice for highly specific problems, so I hope you might get some enjoyment out of my recent conundrums. I've been trying to be a bit stricter about the sprawling, overboarding use of my beloved Hobonichi Techo cousin and have come to the conclusion that I could probably do without the individual day pages. I do, however, get massive use out of the yearly, monthly, and weekly overview. I especially love the weekly at a glance style. I would not trade it for anything else when you talked about the new weeks i thought the weeks the hobonichi weeks Mm. i thought that could be my new grail but alas doesn't fit the bill it's too small and less practical due to the horizontal rows of the days of the week do you have any recommendations for a calendar that has dates i need those for planning ahead a monthly overview and weekly layout like the cousin i might be okay with the yearly overview and the dreamy paper quality but the two features I cannot go without will make me get the next cousin, even if it means lugging a mostly empty book with me, provided that there are no alternatives. Yeah, so I broke this up into two parts here. Um, This part I wanted to tackle because, Sasha, I think you and I need to start a petition to get an A5-sized week's layout because that's my perfect layout. That's what I use in the William Hanna notebook because I can get that left side seven-day layout in a bigger format than what the weeks offers. So that's what I use. And no one really does that full size. Like Midori does it in the same thin size as the weeks. But um, Leuchterm makes a weekly planner where you can get seven days across two pages. So it's a more, I don't know how you would say it. It's like a big block style right? Spread those seven days across two A5 size pages. That might work for you. Um, And it still has the other calendars. I don't know if it has every single layout that you want on there, but that's probably the closest option in a fuller size notebook that I would consider. I think it's a very good, good looking style. Like that's something that I could see myself using, but I like the freedom of the notes page, like the weeks has on it. Um, the other thing, which I I was thinking about this, I thought it might be a fit, but it's probably not. I would probably choose the cousin over this, but the Stology, they have a 365 days notebook where it's a page per day, but I think it has less of the options that you do like, like the monthly and yearly calendar. So it's more of just the core part of the cousin and I would, in, in rereading this. I think I would probably pick the cousin over the stology, but um, look at the Lloyd's term weekly planner and see what you think about that layout. It may not be perfect, but I think it's close. All right. So there was a second part to this question, right? 
Mm-hmm. On a yeah, completely different Sasha. note, so this is still from Sasha. I've been wondering what you think about the texture of inks. I mostly hear them described as wet or dry, but when I compare my gorgeous diamond colors, which are all pretty wet, to my precious platinum carbon ink, the latter seems not only wetter, but thick and luxurious, like writing with a perfectly melted tar or something other of rich substance. Have you ever noticed such differences? I constantly try inks wherever I can to find some that I feel like that and have been largely unsuccessful. Please share your wisdom. I don't know that I have wisdom of why that ink acts like that, but it acts, it absolutely does. The platinum carbon ink and the Sailor Nano black inks are beloved because one, they're waterproof and they're pigmented inks, which is well, that might be that they're waterproof. Why then? Right. Like but they have these the, inks for their properties have like a different chemical construction. Yeah. But they both have a glossiness that I don't know that you can attribute to the pigmentation because I have a lot of pigment inks that aren't glossy. I have no other glossy inks other than this platinum carbon or the sailor. And they're, they are glorious. They are glorious inks. The uh, wet, thick, and luxurious <laughs> is the correct, are the correct adjectives to describe this ink. How it gets that finish, I, I can't explain. But it is true. Um, and I've only, I only get it from those two inks. So um, in, enjoy them, I guess, is the best I can say. That's why they're so popular. They're just... You don't have to be an artist to use them either. They're fantastic writing inks, and they clean very well out of your just your day-to-day pens. Next question comes from Jacob. I imagine this or something similar may have been answered in a past episode. Uh, if so, point in a way, and I'll listen. Is there such a thing as a planner like a Hobonichi, but at the very least a monthly and weekly layout with paper that soaks up ink really quickly without bleed-through? Um, I'm a lefty. My current pens are in extra are in the extra fine to fine range in Pilot and Twisby. Mine is a 1.1 Twisby stub that I'd like to get more use out of. I take my planner with me, so I'd like to have something I can quickly jot an appointment in, then shut it and be on my way without having to let the ink dry. I like how soft the right notepad's paper feels, but I don't think they have something that meets the above preferences. Maybe an unattainable combo. If so, I'll keep using my Mark One uh, with the five point with the point five millimeter jet stream. About uh, as perfect a pen refill combo as you could ask for, unless you're taking the tungsten special edition needed. Uh, it would be nice to be able to change things up a bit if possible. Yeah, so anything Tomoe River is out, anything Kokuyo, Jibun Techo is out. Um, outside of the things I've already mentioned, like Lloyd's Term is a quick dry paper um, that I, I mentioned above the styology. I, I really hate saying that word, Mike. I want to say stayology, but it's stylology. I always read it as statology. Yeah. Stylogy. Yeah, stylogy. Stylogy. saying that word. That one is reasonably quick drying. And the only other one I could think of that is quick drying, I think the Lloyd's Term is the fastest probably, but the Midori is not bad. It's like a, a tweener. So like if you want something nicer and a good layout, um, various layouts for different planners and journals, I'd look at what Midori does. I'd The one I would recommend if you can find it is one I used a lot last year, which is the Sumkin planners. That handled fountain pens really well. It dried very quickly, but... They've kind of gone almost more notebooky diary style than lots of journal options this year, or at least that's easy, easily accept, accessible. Um, that was a fantastically quick drying page. You could just write and shut it and everything would be fine. I think Lloyd's Term is probably the best in that category otherwise. 
but I would try the Midori just to see. Um, it dries pretty well, and uh, I kind of like that paper too. Next question comes from Travis. I've come to a weird stage of my pen journey as I have hit a void of want and need. I love the pens, inks, and paper that I have acquired over the years and have been fortunate to play with many grail-worthy pens at pen shows. I don't have the FOMO bug anymore, and I see special editions whatsoever me like a gentle wave weekly. Is this normal? Am I broken? Mm-hmm. I have become picky in my aesthetics for pens, favoring silver hardware, flat ends, integral filling systems, and a need for a clip. I shun vintage American pens out of no reason other than in taste. I tend toward the extra final stub ends of the nib spectrum as I print everything, and it favors my handwriting. I love most Japanese nibs and companies. I would kill for a Pilot 823 or Platinum 33, uh, 3776 without the damn rounded ends for disclosure i do own a pilot 823 about the rounded ends amber acrylic and gold furniture all of which makes it a unicorn of my collection as it was a love at first right and being the antithesis of all that i appreciate still holds an amazing charm to me the closest i have found to my platonic ideal of a pen is the sailor pro gear Rialo, and i suppose my question is where do i go next in my stationary adventures i think i have an answer for this tra- uh, travis I think I do too, and I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Just wait. Like, <laughs> if the thing is that you like you, you you feel like a part of your hobby is in the collecting, I totally understand that. So, like, the idea of being like, well, I've collected for so long, and I surely haven't run the end, but I feel like I'm done, and then you start to lose a little bit of the identity that you've attached to this hobby, which is the idea of trying new things. I have been in this place many times and then will eventually find myself into a new corner of it. So my advice to you would just be to just wait it out. You're probably in a period of being happy with what you've got, which is fantastic. So enjoy that. And eventually something's going to catch your eye and then you'll be lost down a new rabbit hole again. Yeah, it finds you is, yes. is kind of how... I've dealt with this and this I like I could have written this exact email, right? This is very much kind of a cycle I've gone through and I, I totally agree with everything you said. You know, it's you're past the point you, you figured out what you like and you're past the point of having to try everything because your likes have come so well defined that maybe nothing out there is meeting what those exact likes are. And that's okay. It's okay to not buy something that you're not just dead set in love with. Um, I will say, based on all of these descriptions and and layout of everything that Travis likes and dislikes and styles and everything, I think an Aurora Optima might fit <laughs> that next one to look at. <laughs> you know, if I wanted to spend some of his money, like it's expensive, but it has that um, flat top piston filling. Very, even though it's an Italian nib, these are finer than normal nibs, which is why I like them so much. It's a good style, good aesthetic, um, something like that. But, you know, there's no need to rush into buying anything from, you know, a $2 pencil to a $200 pen to a $2,000 pen. Like, it'll find you. You'll know when it'll feel right. And just don't rush into anything. This next question comes from Mariska. My 2020 fountain pen goal is to own a few gold nib fountain pens. I own mostly steel and would like to branch out to more gold nibs. My questions are, sorry, there are a few. These are really a gold nibs 101. Uh, mm-hmm. So, okay, we can do that. Yeah. How much of a pen's price correlates to the nib's material or the gold in the nib? And what is or are your favorite entry-level gold nib fountain pens? 
So you want to take these kind of by... Let's just break these down by Yeah, we're going to break them down here. even more. All right. How much of a pen's price correlates to the nib? A crap ton. Yeah. Especially when you start getting into gold. <laughs> For the gold nib pens, all you have to do is look at the answer that I'm going to give you to this question. It's the Platinum 3776. The barrel is simple. It is not special. It is nothing to write home about. It's the reason why I held off on buying this pen forever because I couldn't justify at the time they were probably like $130, you know, pretty reasonably priced. It had to be a hundred of that was in the nib, right? Like that's what it felt to me. That's how not special the platinum barrels felt to me. The gold nib makes up a huge amount on the lower end. Obviously the higher higher end pins you get, the more those numbers even out and you know the, the math changes for different reasons. But for entry level type stuff, it is overwhelmingly high percentage of cost is in the nib compared to the barrel. And you'll see that when you start picking up the pins and feeling the pins. So yeah. So the my favorite is is the platinum thirty seven seventy six. That's a very, very good one. That's a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. Uh what part of the nib uh consists of the gold itself? Like what is what is the where is the gold alloy in a nib? Yeah, it's all of it. Yeah. So it's the full even the part that's up into the uh, the feed and collar that you can't see. If we, yep. you remove that nib, the entirety of it is gold. So it is a physically gold piece of metal. Like it's stamped from a sheet. Think of a think if you were making cookies, right? And you have a cookie sheet and you stamp out a shape. That's how a gold nib gets made. So the entirety of the sheet is gold and then that is turned into the nib. What is the function of a gold nib that cannot be accomplished by modern stainless steel? I read that fountain pens used to be or still are iron gall ink that is corrosive to steel, right? So iron gall is corrosive to steel, so you wouldn't want to use that. But as I understand, modern stainless steel is pretty resistant to iron gall. Can we give props to Mariska for this line of questioning? Some serious research has gone into this. I feel like I am not up to snuff, right? Like I don't know enough. I love this so much. I love this so mm-hmm. much. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was the impetus for the original gold nibs, right? They're going to be resistant to those chemical changes. Um, modern stainless does not have that problem. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, okay, that I don't want to say no issues whatsoever. Very limited and minimal issues with any steel nibs and any iron gall inks. I will never say never, but I have never had a a problem but there could be problems out there if you get a really bad nib and a really aggressive ink okay maybe but you know that's not going to really you're not going to really run into corrosion problems as long as you have good pen care and maintenance habits and you know are not doing anything you know too crazy with the nibs or the ink so that's not something to really worry yourself about in the modern nib and ink market but in regards to the function of a gold nib, it's like softer, it's, it's smoother, it can feel better. I mean, that's, that's what I've found, right? Like, why would I want a gold nib? Because they feel nicer to me for the way that I write than a steel nib does. Yep, totally. Is there a difference between gold nibs versus steel nibs in terms of ink flow of writing? And do nibs vary depending on the gold content, 14, 18 versus 21 carat? So as you were just alluding to, yes and yes. So... Yeah. Steel nibs versus gold nibs. So first, you got to understand that every manufacturer is different. 
like I was talking above about the Aurora Optimum gold nib, that is a very firm gold nib when you compare it to a Pelican gold nib, which is a very soft gold nib. Yeah, I, so, I don't personally ever really think about whether I prefer gold versus steel. It, I same. do it kind of like by manufacturer. Right. Right. So yes. like I have no problem with steel nibs in general, but I hate pelicans. Right. So, right. But, you know. So yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's a fair way to look at it. So it does feel different. You know, in the general terminology, steel nibs are firmer, gold nibs are softer. That doesn't mean that's going to be your experience across the board. The gold content does matter. The higher the gold content, the softer and more bounce the nib will have. So a 14 karat gold nib of the same size will not be as soft as a 20, 21 karat nib of the same size, right? Um, the size of the nib, you know, whether it's a smaller nib or a large nib also matters when it comes to gold because with the greater gold material, the larger the tine is going to be cut and the more give that nib is going to have where a smaller gold nib will not have as much opportunity to flex or give as um, you know a larger nib. So there's a lot to consider there as far as materials go. The price obviously goes up as well when you have the greater gold content. And um, But if you, if you gave me a blind test of like say a number 10 size or number six size, I should say 14 karat nib and a 21 karat nib. I could maybe tell the difference, but it's not drastic. It's not something that's going to make a world of difference in my purchasing habits um, between those two nibs. I'm going to go, Oh, this is so much better. Like I will never notice that much difference. I might notice a little bit different in the feel of it like i could say okay maybe this one's softer but in the end in a, in a purchasing dis- buying decision if they're identical it's not going to matter that much okay so still on this uh gold nib question uh if the nib is rhodium plated uh gold would it have the same performance as a gold nib or is it just for cosmetics basically <laughs> so there's a little bit of i don't even know what you call it material transfer to the page feel difference, right? So like a gold nib versus say like a rhodium plated nib versus like a black ion plated nib, you might can tell a little bit of a feel difference on the page, but it's pretty minor. Like the black coatings on nibs tend to be a little bit rougher to me. Um, and that just might be anecdotally like to me and how I, how I feel it. Like there's a little bit more sound to them where just a pure gold uncoated gold nib would just would feel smoother without almost like that. Um, I don't know, like that tech tactile scritchy scratchy type of feeling, but I don't feel that in rhodium plated. Um, those feel almost identical to me as a, just a regular gold nib. But when you get into like the black coated nibs, those feel a little bit different to me. I think that's it. Oh, um, Mirisco also asked for Adina to come back. She will. Yeah. And I agree. She'll be back. Don't worry. (laughs) I I made sure to put that in there. Okay. Next question is from Gleb. That was amazing, though. Thank you for that. That was a great question. Thank you. Really thoughtful. Uh, From Gleb. Okay. So, 
Can you help me find a notebook that would serve me well in a school environment? I don't mind the cover as it's going to be in my leather cover that I have for it anyway, but I need it to be A5 sized and no larger. There's some other details I would like about it. So uh, here we go. Lined, blanked, dotted, or gridded, basically any kind of paper, no specifications. So it can be any of those. A reasonable amount of pages. I would love a definition of reason- reasonable, Glad, but you know, <laughs> I get it. No I'm metal say spiral. Greater than 80. They do not want spiral bound. <laughs> no spirals. Uh, when folded out on a table, the pages don't curl up together. So we lay flat. Is available in, as they say, Australia, which is Australia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is less than $20 Australian. Is there anything that fits these requirements that's worth your time to answer? I'm asking about this because I've listened through to your show from episode 1 to 354. Getting there. So it might be a while before uh, Glove gets to this question. We'll see. And it's been surprisingly interesting uh, listening to two adult men that I don't know in person talk about pens for 150 hours. Over 150 hours. That's very true. More than that. Way more than that. Yeah, he must listen at like uh, 5x speed. Yeah, he's like 400 hours. (laughs) But I recently finished using up a notebook of mine that served me for quite a while. And the main issue I had of it is the fact that it had a spiral Bound and that it, that it was uh, hurting the hand. I felt that too. That's why uh, yes. I have to be very particular about what spiral bound stuff that I do use and how I use it. Um, so yeah, there you go. What do you got, Brad? I, the Rodia Web Notebooks are fantastic. They're in the twenty dollars price range. Um, and I know I banged the drum on Lloyd's term, but it f- answers so many questions. It's a different feel than Rodia. Rodia has a, a more coded page, so it. it it dries a little bit slower. It's maybe a little bit better for fountain pens, but both of those are going to be exact a five sizes, which is important. They come in all of the lined options or all of the format options that you can choose from, which, you know, you're not specific. Well, you have all the choices. They both, um, I think are the 198 page base model, for those they don't have binding importantly both of those lay flat which is the 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 mention about when folded out on a table the pages don't curl up or together again right Mm. um there's no curling up in the middle they have lay flat binding um they are both available available in straya down under they should both be easily accessible and i mean they're kind of gonna like tick all the boxes um the loich term's probably easier to find than the rhodia but i like them both i use the loich term much more than the rhodia but as far as a lay flat option those are the kind of the two that like jump to the front of the queue for me Next question comes from Alex. I've been on the hunt for a beautiful royal blue ink with some character. I decided to try Ackerman 5 Shocking Blue, uh, but shockingly, it won't flow into my Edison pen with my Edison pen. Thinking it was something to do with the nib, I swapped out my normally wet medium for an extra fine, but nothing. Thinking maybe it had left, I'd left it uncapped for too long, I primed the feed, and for some reason it spewed out at the base of the nib and feed, and they were right tight in there. Uh, thinking maybe it was an issue with the feed being too close to the nib, I swapped out the whole housing unit for another one. I had primed the feed, and it still wouldn't write. I then cleaned the nib and feed and replaced it with Sailor Gentle Chushu, and it wrote perfectly. Have you ever experienced this with this ink or any other ink? I've read this happening, but thought it was a myth. Is there any explanation why certain ink will work and others will not? Are there any other deep royal blues that you could recommend? This is always a tough question because everyone has different experiences with ink and you think that would be consistent, but it does matter 
you know, what pen and nib you're using in. And, you know, uh, like Alex was saying, you know, they tried all kinds of different setups, you know, nib swapping and things just to get this ink to work. You know, I, I have not really experienced this other than I have had inks that do not like the air as much as other ones. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what I mean by that is not all fountain pens are designed to completely seal off airflow, even if you have them capped. Um, and some inks will handle that differently. So drier inks, like some of my oranger inks, may not flow the moment I uncap them in certain pens that do not have like a platinum slip and seal mechanism. That's not a requirement for all pens, but some pens handle that um, better than others. Um, whether that's the issue in this case, I don't know. Um, you know, I've had other Edisons that, you know, have worked fine and you know the yovo nibs tend to work normally fine with that it could be shocking blue i've never used it that's a very popular ink because of its vibrancy and i don't know if it's just like a like the chemical makeup of that blue being such a saturated color that maybe there's some property with that ink that is causing that i don't know i you know i would you know, I've sold so much of that ink over the years working with Van S. That's like always our number one seller. And I've never really heard of any specific problems with it. So I, I don't know that it's the ink, but I wouldn't put it past it either. Like it seems like, you know, maybe a more saturated ink. I don't know if it's just the way it's handling like just the airflow and drying it out more where the, the, the sailor ink is just a little bit more lubricated. It's going to flow a little bit easier. It's going to, it's going to rest in a more, you know, um, unaffected fashion in your pen when you're not using it as opposed to drying out like the shocking blue. I don't have a clear answer for this. I've um, never had this happen to me either that like, it's just like it yeah. refuses to work in one certain pen. Yeah, yeah, it's a rarity for sure, but it happens. Like people will have this exact same question and it'll be, you know, a different ink and a different nib, right? It's like super hard to narrow down any one thing with this. Um so I would just say, you know, try a completely different different pen and nib, you know, and see you know, you know what what kind of answers you get and then maybe it is maybe it is the ink, you know. I I don't know for sure, unfortunately. And I have a final question from Rob. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you for introducing me to a wonderful hobby. If a lot of my other interests they involve prohibitively, uh, while a lot of my other interests involve prohibitively high costs, my guitar collection, for example, grows perhaps by one purchase every five years. You have opened up a world of exciting products to try that are at a price point that I can accommodate alongside the expenses that come with a new baby and other life commitments. While my early forays into the world of fountain pens was so uh, through were through so-called luxury lifestyle blogs, which only dealt with the likes of Mont Blanc and Montegrappa, it wasn't until I stumbled upon your website and later your show that I realized just what a wealth of quality pens, paper, and inks there are at the entry-level price point from brands I had previously never heard of. I love that you can talk as passionately about a thirty-pound Tusby as you can about a six hundred-pound Nakaya, and discovering my likes and dislikes through modest purchases that don't break the bank as been great fun i love that 
Yeah. Here's the question, though. I'm currently studying for a professional qualification, and my style of learning is to make a lot of handwritten notes, like three A4 Rhodia dot pads filled cover to cover so far, and I'm not even a quarter of the way through the work. That's insane. That's a lot. That's a lot of notes. I don't know what qualification this is that requires that many notes. <laughs> As a little reward and to keep me motivated, I treat myself to a new ink and occasionally a new affordable pen every time I start a new module. For the next one, I would like to try an orange ink, preferably one with some nice shading. I know of an ink like that that I can use <laughs> to full effect in my Twisby Eco with a 1.1 millimeter stub. The really important thing is it needs to be very legible as I am taking notes that I will later need to reread in preparation for my exams. Can you recommend an orange ink for a nice amount of shading? It's easy to read in large blocks of text without straining your eyes. Does such a thing exist? Straight up, Brad Dowdy's Fire on Fire, created by Robert Oster, fits the bill. It does. I mean, it does. It does. So the one conversation I want to have about this answer, and I I would, like, it was hard for me not to say something besides that. I do have an answer besides that, but that really fits the bill. But It does, because it is shading. It has shading to it, and it's not too bright. It's it's got a bit of darkness to it, which makes it legible. So the catch with orange is you can have shading, but it ends up being lighter. Right. So Mm -hmm. if legibility is very important, that's where you can't go into like Sailor Apricot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is like like one of my all time favorite inks. I would never recommend that for that. Um, The Robert Oster Fire on Fireworks. My other choice would be the Ackermann Orange Bovin, um, which does not shade as much, but it is going to be highly legible because of its brightness so it doesn't have the yellow aspects that you get in a lot of shading orange inks um but you know if you want you know i i think it might i think fire on fire is the answer um to be perfectly honest and then i would look at like orange bovin and then maybe um oh shoot what's the edelstein mandarin so those are kind of the the brightness and a little bit of shading even though the uh uh, Ackermann doesn't shade as much as the Fire on Fire. But th- that's kind of like the level of orange you want. You don't want to get into the yellow oranges like Sailor Apricot. Did we get that? We did it. <sighs> Good work. Ask TPA. Ask TPA. I love, I love that we have the opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. If we can be helpful, like what a great thing to be helpful with. Yep. Yep. So we have we have cleaned it up for the year. We have caught up on all the Ask TPA. It took us to the end of the year to get there. <laughs> Some of these questions I've had for a month or two. I'm not going to lie. Um, but you know, there's a shocking amount of stuff to talk about in the pen and paper world, Mike. And we're here most, for it. There most certainly is. And we will be, well, we'll be here for it again in a couple of weeks. This is our last episode of the year. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be back now in the first week of January. And I believe... Well, is it the first week of January? Yeah, we're going to be back on the yeah. first week of January. We're going to be recording on Thursday, though. So the Thursday the 2nd, if, if mm-hmm. you do listen live or if you're expecting the episode to come out on Wednesday, it'll be out on Thursday. We are going to talk journaling, our journaling gonna... plans for the year. Yeah, big episode. People have been asking for this for a while. We've we've gone on and on about you know teasing it. We've been both been holding our thoughts until the first of the year which i think is the right time to do it so that's going to be a fun episode i really look forward to that so if you want to uh, find out more about this episode go to relay.fm slash pen slash 390 you can find brad online at penaddict.com and he is dowdyism 
uh, on Twitter. You can go to twitch.tv slash penaddict as well. It's a great place to find Brad's work. Uh, anything else? That's it, buddy. All right. Uh, you can find me on iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back in 2020. Have a happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll be back soon. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs> <laughs>